God bless you, my friend. You have an assignment from God. You have a very specific and special calling. You have a ministry that God has placed in your heart and he has given to no one else. God is calling you to dedicate yourself to this ministry and you may not even know what it is. It may be a ministry that is brought forth in 10 years or 20 years, but God has a very specific calling for you and I am here to direct you and lead you into your calling to show you where God wants you to go because I do not want you to complicate it because we serve a very simple God and I want to show you man's all. This is your all. This is your God-given assignment that the Holy Spirit wants to help you with. I'm going to open up here in Ecclesiastes. This is the end of Ecclesiastes. In the book of Ecclesiastes, Solomon, one of the wisest man's ever and one of the most rich men ever to walk this earth. He gives this whole book of wisdom and he says a lot about how everything is vanity. Times of war, vanity. Times of peace, vanity. Working, vanity. Eating and drinking, having a good time. He says it's all vanity, meaning it's all pointless. These things, they are like the wind blowing in the air, he says. It's like grasping or trying to grab onto the wind. It's meaningless. But this is how Solomon ends this book in Ecclesiastes. He says, the words of the wise are like goads, and the words of scholars are like well-driven nails given by one shepherd so what you speak is important your words are like well-driven nails going exactly where they need to do and being a, a firm sort of part in someone else's foundation because something like a shed right built with nails you're driving those nails into that shed to build it up so your words are very important and further my son be admonished by these of making many books there is no end and much study is wearisome to the flesh let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter fear god and keep his commandments for this is man's all. This is your all. This is what God is calling you to do. Number one, to fear him. And number two, to keep his commandments. And we'll get deeper into this in just a second. For God will bring every work into judgment, including every secret thing, whether good or evil. So what you do in secret will be brought into judgment and what you do out in the open will be brought into judgment. So a firm foundation for you will be to fear God and keep his commandments. When you fear God and you keep his commandments, it doesn't matter what happens in your life. You can be stripped of your household and of your finances. You can have significant others leave you. Everything can be lost in your life. Okay. And these are very terrible things that I pray that never happen to you. 
But if, if these things happen, when we fear God and keep his commandments, this will be our stronghold. This will lift us up. This will help us to know that we are right with God, that we will not be unrighteously judged by man or the whole world can even be speaking bad things against us. We can have teachers come against us, parents come against us because of our faith or our life decision not to be a doctor or a dentist, but to pursue ministry. But as long as we fear God and keep his commandments, we shall not be moved. This will be our righteous stronghold. And let us not be prideful in this. Let us not be self-righteous in this. We know that we are sinners saved by grace, that we used to be murderers because the word of God says, if you hated your brother in your heart, you are a murderer. We used to be liars and thieves and adulterers adulteresses because the word of God says that if you look at a man or woman with lust in your heart you are you've already committed adultery okay so we know that we're forgiven we're bought by the blood of Jesus Christ but our all it says in Ecclesiastes is to fear God and keep his commandments let's see what it says in Deuteronomy 6 now this is the commandment And these are the statutes and judgments which the Lord your God has commanded to teach you, that you may observe them in the land which you are crossing over to possess. So here they're crossing into the promised land. They're going into a new land to possess. It was theirs on paper since the beginning, since they left the bondage in Egypt. And even when they were in the wilderness, it was still theirs. But now they're actually going in to possess this promised land. God has a promised land for you, a spiritual rest, a rest from all your enemies on every side. He wants to take you to somewhere beautiful, but in order to get there, you need to go through the promised land. You need to go through trials, tests, certain things God wants to know. Will you still fear him? Will you still find your joy and your peace and your comfort in him, but not in the praise of man or the job promotion or the new house? God wants to know, will you still love him and fear him? So they're going and crossing into this new land. And it says in verse two, that you may fear the Lord, your God to keep all his statutes and his commandments, which I command you, your son and your grandson, all the days of your life, and that your days may be prolonged. You want your days to be prolonged when you step into the promised land, when you step into the good and all the abundance that God is giving you? Yes, because Jesus does promise an abundant life. The word of God says that life with Jesus, it's abundant. It's spiritually abundant with joy and peace. God promises to provide all of our needs, but he will test you and he wants to know, will you still keep his statutes, his commandments? Will you obey his voice and yield to the Holy Spirit when he brings you into the promised land? 
Therefore hear, O Israel, and be careful to observe it, that it may be well with you, and that you may multiply greatly as the Lord God of your fathers has promised you, a land flowing with milk and honey. And I got to be very clear too, that this doesn't mean you won't suffer. This doesn't mean that you won't have persecution in the promised land. Okay, Paul lived an abundant life. Paul had a life of abundance. Okay, all of his needs were met. All of his needs were provided for. And he had an abundance of joy. He was always expressing his joy. Even to the church in Philippi, he was still expressing his joy after beatings and while being in jail. Okay, this is an abundant life that no matter what, you have joy. So God will take us through sufferings. He will take us through through the fire to purify and refine us. When you pray, God, purify my heart. God, sanctify me. God, cleanse me. God, make me holy as you are holy. What do you think you're really praying for? I believe you're actually praying for trials. You're praying for tests. You're praying for for suffering in a sense, okay, in a way because God uses these things as vehicles to bring you where he wants you to go, okay? You can't travel into the promised land without stepping into the vehicle in order to go there and suffering trials and tests. Those are the vehicles by which God established his will and his purpose in us. So he says, I want to bring you to a land flowing with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel. Okay, hear the word of the Lord. The Lord your God, the Lord is one. You shall what? You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all your strength, just like Ecclesiastes. This is your all. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. Let this word not just be in your head. There's plenty of religious Pharisees out there, plenty of religious people who can repeat the Bible and they know scripture. This is why God says, let this word be in your heart. Let it not be just head knowledge, but let it be heart knowledge because knowledge puffs up, but heart knowledge, it transforms. It makes new. Okay. Religion kills, religion destroys, but relationship brings encounter relationship restores the soul relationship is the vehicle that will bring us into the promised land it's through relationship that our whole spirit soul and body be, be become sanctified you shall teach these commandments diligently to your children you shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. You shall bind them, bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. Okay, go get some scripture, put it on your walls, put it on your doorpost, put it on your gates, but more importantly, write it on your heart. Engrave this word on you that you shall love God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength, that you shall 
fear him. So that way, when a famine comes upon the land, okay, we're seeing a lot of shortages right now. There's a lot of lack and you may not see it, but we see even farms being burned down. There's farms, there's lands mysteriously just being burned down. Cows being poisoned. Animals are dropping dead. And there's, there's okay, there's famines coming. I don't know when, you know, one year, two years, 10 years. Okay. But there's a lack, there's evil assignments of the government. But when you fear God, he will lead you. He will direct you. He will guide your steps. Deuteronomy 10, 12 says, and now Israel, what does the Lord, your God require of you? But to fear the Lord your God, number one, and number two, to walk in all of his ways and to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all of your heart and all your soul. Okay, here it says, what does God require of you? What does he really need of you? God doesn't need anything from you. There's nothing that you can do for him, which is why he has a very simple assignment for you. That assignment being to fear God. Okay, number one. Number two, to walk in all of his ways. When you open up the gospels and you read the words of Jesus Christ and you read the epistles, okay, walk in all of his ways. Okay, to humble yourself, to have a lowliness of mind and to regard others as better than yourself. To have the mind of Christ. Christ, the humility of Jesus Christ, who humbled himself even to the point of death on a cross. Okay, so to number two, walk in all of his ways. And number three, to love him. To love him with what? All of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And number three, to serve the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul. Okay, so we can't just fear God, walk in all of his ways, and love him. But when he gives us a ministry assignment, we must also serve God. Okay, God gives and God takes away. To him who has, more will be given. And to him who doesn't have, he will lose. Okay. More will be taken away. So don't just fear God and love him, but serve him. Work for God. How can you serve the Lord? Our faith is proven by our works is what it says in the book of James. Serve God. God has a ministry for you. If you have a smile, you have a ministry is what our pastor says. Serve God and serve other people. Okay. And if you didn't get it yet, or in, just to give one more verse, really, Micah 6 8, he has shown you, O oh man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? But what? Number one, do justly. Do what is right. Number two, to love mercy. And number three, walk humbly with your God. When you walk in humility and repentance, you will live a refreshing life. You will have a refreshing lifestyle. You will have a lifestyle of joy. When you walk in humility and repentance, you will have a lifestyle of power. Okay. Because the word of God says, number one, you must submit to God. You must yield to the Holy Spirit. Submit 
to God. Surrender the situation, your life, your thoughts. Submit to God. Repent before God and submit. Bow down to him. And only then can you resist the devil. So a lifestyle of humility is a lifestyle of power. When you walk in the fear of God, you can walk in power knowing that those Thoughts that come into your mind, those lies, you can say, hey, that's not my thoughts. That's a lie of the devil. I shut you down and now I'm going to bring life into my mind. I love that person. I don't have those negative thoughts for them, but I love them and I trust that through the process of shutting down evil thoughts and speaking and inviting life into my mind, that God is renewing my mind. He's refreshing my mind as long as I walk in humility, repentance, and I love the Lord my God. Matthew six thirty three says, seek first above all else before you seek your dreams and your ambitions and your goals and that career that you want and to plant that family and to have that household first first seek the lord your god and then all these things will be added unto you god knows your needs and he promises to give you everything your you need and we serve a good heavenly father who promises to give his children good gifts right Ask and you shall receive, but ye receive not because ye ask not. And you do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your own pleasures. But ask, ask of the Lord and he shall give to you. Align your heart with the heart of the Father. What are God's desires? What does he want for you? What does he want in your life and in your relationships? Okay. And as you continue to ask God for wisdom in every area of your life, in your relationships, in your day-to-day moves, don't get so caught up in wisdom because I can do this so sometimes. I'm always asking God, for wisdom. I'm always seeking what is the will of the Lord for every area of my life. But sometimes we don't want to get so caught up in wisdom like, you know, Ecclesiastes and Solomon. But he says, fear God, keep his commandments, obey his voice and serve the Lord. Walk humbly with your God. Amen. God bless you so much. Thanks for listening. I'll see you in the next one. In Jesus' mighty name.